0: Welcome to Campaign Chemistry, where we pick the brains of creative alchemists, business wizards and marketing geniuses behind the world's greatest brands. PJ Pereira began his celebrated career as an advertising creative as a programmer in Brazil. As a right and left brain thinker who enjoyed writing and drawing as much as computers, he was a pioneer in the rise of digital advertising. This year, his agency, Pereira Odell, turns 15. After German Independent Network Service Plan bought a 30% stake in the agency in 2021, Pereira Odell is moving from a bi-coastal model with offices in San Francisco and New York to a national model that services clients in a borderless way. In this episode, Pereira also discusses how his agency is playing with AI and incorporating it into creative work while being mindful of ethical concerns. I'm your host, Allison Weisbrot, editor of Campaign US, and you're listening to Campaign Chemistry. Hi, PJ. How are you?
1: Very good. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. I'm so glad you're here with us today, especially because Pereira Odell just had its 15th anniversary. Very exciting milestone. Uh, talk about how does it feel? I mean, 15 years you built this agency. How does it feel for you to get to this milestone? It's...
1: It's strange because it's a lot of time, but had been so many different cycles and so different moments in in our lives that that it feels honestly feels like it was we're three years old. In my head, I can't process this 15. I think about stories of like, oh, yeah, that was 10 years ago. That was 12 years ago. There's three years ago. But the, the sensation is exactly the same feeling that I had when we were Three years old.
0: Always in startup mode.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's I mean, it's always. I think that the, the the challenges and the opportunities and it's always very similar. All right, there's something new that we are trying to do, or there's something new that is is happening around us that we have to face. And as if you're looking forward, it still feels like the beginning.
0: So talk about the journey. I mean, what have the past. Few years been like for you in in building this this very successful agency, and what were some of the challenges and opportunities along the way?
1: The the, the market changed quite a lot during this this entire time. I remember being the beginning of the the ages when when Andrew and I were still at AKQA, we were seeing this wave of agencies of like new. They they called it at the time like hybrid agencies that would do digital and traditional together and we talk about look at that it's like there's a bunch of, of traditional advertising people saying that they can do digital as well so if there's a real movement behind that there needs to be at least one agency that is being created from a digital background and and now let's let's be that one and we can actually validate that entire movement and and be one of them and and was that was what we had in mind mm-hmm. today that Feels like a natural thing, you know. I, I can't count the number of pictures that we present work, and people kind of reply back to say, "Hey, you know, it's so refreshing to see an agency that that thinks about cultural ideas and digital ideas and present those before the spot. The TV is still there, but it's not. But it's not the leading idea, the leading thought. I and mean, it's it's funny because you still see the the old school world playing." But it's not what what clients are looking for anymore. So I think that that is the biggest shift in 15 years for me is that there was what was a proposition a while ago is a demand today, which means that we need to start to look at what the next steps are.
0: Well, that was my next question. Like now that, you know, the initial proposition is sort of mainstream to an extent, right? Like clients sort of expect that type of thinking. What how do you view your differentiators now?
1: I mean, I think that the, the 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 freshness in advertising always comes from the ability to to play with three different worlds together, and it has always been. It's not something that we invented, but it has always been uh, a, somehow a combination of of understanding the discipline of marketing. Understanding the discipline of entertainment and the discipline of, of technology. Those three things have very specific mindsets and, and drives. That when you can combine two of them or three of them, you, that's when new things happen. From a an individual campaign, whatever you call campaign is right. But from a, a an assignment or a project that you're doing. Or from an agency standpoint. And I think that because all those things are always during constant change as well, that, that the, the, configuration of those three elements is, is always, uh, moving in different directions, but you have to keep the momentum. I think that that's the, the thing, you know, you, you cannot stop and think and too much because if you get, if you slow down, the dust And that is what made much harder to to create movement again.
0: Right. You always kind of have to be like building the plane and rebuilding the plane while you're flying it to, to stay relevant. Yeah. So I want to talk about some of the, the new things that Pereira Odell is doing. But first, I want to talk about you because you've had a really interesting career. Um, you're from Brazil. Yes. You have a background as a programmer. How did you get into creative and advertising?
1: ah uh, i i started my i my first job i i got when i was thirteen years old i i was one of those nerdy kids that was either writing or drawing or programming a computer um and i got a job as a programmer um it was in in for almost ten years i worked in the technology field it was it was a fun a fun part of my life and i really enjoyed it and i think that that time shaped my relationship with technology, not only the passion, but my understanding of how technology, how computers work, which today makes a big difference for what the next round of challenges we have ahead. But mm. but as I was working on this, I remember being one day my my boss told me that, you know, just we're developing these these hypertext software here for a company, and and they decided to buy an ad on it. You know, because you write and you draw, and but you're also a programmer. Do you want to do, find out what an ad inside of a computer program can be? And he, I remember, he, it's like if it was today. He was telling me, so just keep in mind that don't try to make it look as great as a magazine. Or because computers don't have that resolution, try to, and and not, and especially not as good as a commercial because it's, it won't, it's, you cannot make film video on on computers yet at that point. So find another way of making it, things interact, maybe people can play with it. And I did a little video game for, for the, the brand. And that that, that kind of raised a, a, a little light bulb in the back of my mind. It's like this may be something. Years later, the web came turn up and, and it was invented and I started to email I a few ad agencies in Brazil and say, hey these advertising and, and computers and internet, they have something together. Let me figure that out for you. One of those agencies answered um we started to work with that and then two years later Ken and the one show and all the, the watch show started to to open cyber digital categories we won awards in all of them and then then it it took off from there.
0: Yeah, so you really were at the beginning of the the digital revolution. I find I mean you were sort of saying like you know, I was one of these typical nerdy kids. I was drawing, I was I was programming and I was writing. I don't think that's typical to be able to draw and write and program. So talk about like you have one of these rare sort of hybrid skill sets on the technical side and the creative side. Like that's sort of, I think what a lot of creative agencies are looking for today in talent. What do you sort of look for um, just based on your own background and, and like the skill sets that you have, how do you like suss out talent like that um, and help them thrive in, in advertising?
1: I, I, to be honest, I don't, I don't necessarily look for people that are, exactly like that I tend to when I look at the team overall I try to make make sure that there are people with a good understanding good passion for technology but not everyone needs to have it mm-hmm. I mean if there's someone in the team that does it's fine I'm more concerned with having people that are interesting I don't think you can do interesting work without interesting people and and I think that that is the the, the core of it advertising is a great craft and I I Oh, everything I have built in my life to this industry. And I I work really hard to help push the the industry forward and everything. But the only way we can stay relevant is by attracting interesting people. Mm.
0: Yeah. What was it like for you to sort of like when you came to the U.S.? Like what was what was it like breaking into the U.S. creative scene? Was it very different? What were some of the similarities?
1: it's 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 very different like, to begin with in 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 Brazil if you are a good name you have a, like a a, a a big name in the industry you're a celebrity you're like in talk shows and you're in like you're you're known you're a pop culture uh, name here is is not exactly <laughs> that way mm. and so that was a the, the first shock that people that realized that people didn't have cultural ambitions and like yeah they were just and I think that that kind of shapes a lot of the different the, the mentality between a Brazilian ad person and an American ad person that's like yeah I mean it's, things are changing now but it's it's for a while when when I arrived here people just kind of yeah I'm gonna go there do my job and and get some results and sell some products and that's fine that's what I do and it's like how about building something that is going to be talked about and be getting famous and, and everything. Say, no, that, that doesn't happen. We're just doing, just selling product. Like, no, no, we're not. Mm. But I think that that difference, and it was during the last 15 years, it was built. And I think that now it's, it's a more current, a more natural expression or, or intent from our industry. That's going to, can we create ideas that are going to be famous, mm. not just uh, liked once we put in front of people, but it's got, they're going to be worth sharing, worth um, spending your time with and worth talking about because the, the talkability became a much more important element of, of what we do. Mm.
0: So do you think like Brazil was more like uh, attuned to just sort of the need to for, for social media and the power of, of like earned media and, and being talked about? Like did that market sort of maybe like come into its own during, during that time. And, and that's sort of part of the difference.
1: It was, it wasn't social media. It was the, the intent of, of, of of building fame was before, way before social media. So I remember being, being, I, 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 still remember being in high school talking to my friends and singing jingles from commercials. That is kind of because we, we, we learned to to love advertising and and play with it and ter- treat advertising as culture mm. since we're kids, and I think that it. I mean, I'm not saying that we're this is bad or not, but this is how we were raised, mm-hmm. and it, it gave us a sense that advertising is culture. Advertising is something worth talking about. Is something is worth sharing and everything. When social media became a thing, not only as a new elements in our toolbox, but as one of the most es- es- essential elements of the toolbox, that those, those brain connections, those things that are natural for me, became uh, the, the way that the, the, the process, kind of the, the way you do the work. So it's in, in a way, I, I'll say that I got lucky that the way I was raised to see advertising 20, 30 years later, Became the way that advertising sees itself. Mm. It was. It's not merit. It's luck.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I think it might be a little merit too. <laughs> so, what were some of the challenges coming to the U.S.? I, I remember maybe a year or so ago, you wrote a beautiful op-ed for Campaign about just your experiences as an immigrant um, and a leader in the advertising industry. Like, what were some of the things you noticed about the U.S. market from that perspective?
1: I remember my first week in 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 California. I I was trying to organize things, and I was trying to feel like the this was a little bit too quiet and too slow, and try to make it noisier and bring some some a little bit of energy. And a a person from another department, wasn't a creator, just came to me, looked me straight in the eye, and said, "You know what? Let me tell you this." You may have been, you may be a big wig in the market we come from, but here you're nobody. You're gonna to need to prove or you that you're good and that you're good enough for the US market. It's a little mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know what? That person I don't even remember who the person it was. I remember the conversation, but it, it put a fire on my belly that's yeah. all right. Okay. That's that's how we to play it. We wanna play it, uh, that's how I'm gonna play it. I'm I'm a martial artist. You you punch me. I'll punch back. Yeah, <laughs> and, and uh, it, it helped me, but it, it's um, but in a in a strange way because I after that conversation I I I took my my pride was severely damaged. like right yeah now I need to prove that to that person that I can do it and I I thought it was like I'm gonna show these gringos how <laughs> Brazilian advertising operates. And I worked really hard to try to turn the agency into a Brazilian agency. And it was a disaster. <laughs> it was <laughs> Why? a disaster. You're not teaching an American to be Brazilian. No. It's not how you're raised. You yeah. It's like, and then it's like, okay, it's, it's not going to work. So maybe that person was right. I'm going to need to learn to become an American. And it was even worse. Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm as far from being an American as it can be. Then I... I was having a conversation. My my partner at that time was, was Ray Namoto, he's Japanese, and I we were having a meeting on on Nike, and and I told a little story, one of those kids stories that you kind of kids jokes that you hear you you learn when you're like five years old, and everyone laughed in the room. It's like, oh, you don't know that thing, and it's like, no, 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 and then. And Ray kind of told another thing, It's the, uh, an equivalent of that from Japan. If everyone laughed. I was like, you don't know this. No. That's when I realized that, that when you talk about thinking outside the box as the cliche of the business, the box is the way we are raised. Thinking outside the box is just trying to look outside of the way you're, you're, you were raised to think. So if you are a foreigner, if you are an outsider of any kind, you are outside of the general box already. So if you could put together boxes from different parts and different disciplines, different countries, different cultural backgrounds, different anything, everything is, is you have a combination of boxes that the, 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 the final result will be naturally um, original. Yeah, and that's, that's the best scalable way of building creativity for me.
0: I mean, I there's a reason people always say like diversity fosters more creativity, right? Because you have different cultures, different ways of thinking. So, yeah, I mean, that totally makes sense. So a couple of years ago, Pereira Odell had an investment from Service Plan, right, which is a German yeah. company. Yeah. What's that relationship like? And talk about how like what what has it changed or allowed you to do that you couldn't do before?
1: I think there there are two two parts of that. There is the the in, and then there's the out. Um, we always had global ambitions for our ideas, but the 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 U.S. market is such a hard, tough market to to grasp and to operate into, like, especially in these kind of crazy economic times. It's like it, it's a challenge, right? That we wanted to bring our ideas abroad and it was it was tough. We still have a lot of work to do here in the US to 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 before we go outside. And there is there are there are also opportunities of other things that are coming from abroad to the US that need it. Like we because we have this combination of people from different cultures, we have a, a natural international uh sens- sensibility that could be great for that, but we didn't have that presence to bring. So when we we started to talk to, to to service plan on top of being we realizing how we have very similar cultures and immediately got along well. We felt like, oh, this is actually a great opportunity because we f- there's a brand, there's a company that ha- that is extremely accomplished around the world, that is very international, but cannot say that it's global because they don't have a strong presence in the U.S. Mm. You don't, it can't be global without the U.S. Right. And we had a, a, a company with a brand and a language that was global, but not a presence that was global. It's so like, oh, this makes total sense. We started to do it. And for two, three years, we built, integrated. We started to work together. We started to do projects together. And the first year that we, we were actually, uh, we entered CAN together as one group, we were independent network of the year. So that was like incredible to see. It's like, yeah, it's not. We're not planning to do that. We didn't even know that they were happy, they were going to have Independent Network of the Year. We just entered as as a network. Like, yeah, let's put together and and score all the points together and see what happens. And then they say, oh, yeah, there's going to be the, in the Network of the Year this year. And then all of a sudden, we we're there to get these crazy phone calls. Say, yeah, it's you, <laughs> and we were on stage. <laughs> oh my god! So it's been it's been very uh, pleasant. Very inspiring. We had like a month ago or so we had all the CDS and CCOs from service plan from all over the world here in New York, and we we got together. We talked about the work. We worked on on a, a global pitch together. We we had discussions about brand entertainment. We had discussions about artificial intelligence and all the things that are shaping the future. All these kind of things between advertising marketing. Uh, advertising, marketing, and entertainment, and technology, and all those the the possibilities between those three things. We kept bringing them, in. and and it's incredibly easy to work with them because you know they they seem to believe in the same things we do, and and have the same curiosities that we have. I think that the alignment of curiosities is even more important than the the, the alignment of. Believes mm. in in an industry that changes as much as ours.
0: Yeah, and and so now it's been about two years, right? And there's some structural changes happening at at uh, Pereira Odell. So talk about that. You're moving from a bi coastal to a national model. What what does that mean? And in practice,
1: now we we started the the agency in San Francisco. Then we opened a San, uh, a New York office and. For a while, there was the the, the the idea was to keep them very separate, kept, keep the cultures separate because the the two cities were different. And, but I, I wasn't very happy with that, and like I think we need to actually connect them more. That's when I moved to to New York a few years ago, pre pandemic, right before the pandemic hit. I moved to New York for like you know we need to start to work closer, and instead of having two cultures that that celebrates uh to afford to celebrate their own um local identities how about we build one company that's that celebrates the diversity of cultures and and the the, the and cr- actually create the the clash between those 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 two worlds and it wasn't working okay but you know there's time zones and people build these, these little uh, areas that, hi, hey, this is us and this is them. Mm. And with the pandemic, we were all pushed to work from home and work from Zooms and people started to move to different cities and suddenly you know, we had creative teams that were living in different cities and they're still working very well together doing some of their best work and we had people working on, on uh, they are in theory working on one office but doing, working for a client from an, on, on the other one. I felt like, you know what? maybe it's time we get rid of these all together and, and work as one team uh, that allows us to, to streamline and and take, take positions that were, that we have like two people to do the same thing. We can do just have one person doing one thing and to take this, the other person to do something else. So that's how we started to, to think about it. And it was, it was incredible, you know, that the agency got together really well and, and, Again, you can see the impact on the work and the, even the way we look at talent and the way we, we the, the, the talent pool that we, we feel that we can tap into now, it's becoming way wider. Yeah. It's great to be able to see all right, who are the best people in the world for this kind of position, this kind of need? We need someone that has a little bit of a tech angle to work, or we need someone that has more, that is more artistic and and wilder, you know, we can, maybe we can, we're going to find that person in, in, in Portugal, or we're going to find that person in New Orleans, or we're going to find that person in Uruguay. It's, it's fine. It all, it's all game.
0: So is, is part of the decision, like, are you back in the office now, or is it a remote company and that makes it easier to sort of operate less office based and more?
1: It's hybrid are we we go like twice a week uh, once or twice a week to the office as a as an attempt to to uh, the same day of the week. So we can all see if we can see each other and let those little uh, accidental conversations influence us back again because we miss some of it. Um, But we can do all the work remotely as well. So we have operated fully remote during the pandemic. We could stay like that, but we want to try to bring some of the the, 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 the physical presence and the physical um, moments mm. again to to see. But that's that's all an experiment, you know. I feel like we're in a constant state of experimentation. Yeah. And this is, this is the current one. It's trying to go back, bring back a, a a physicality to our our culture after three years. Uh, working from home.
0: And how is it going? Are you are people resistant or are they happy to be back or how are you sort of managing that as a as a leader?
1: It's it's going it's going slow. We're not trying to rush it. Um it's like it's more of a, a, a strong intent um incentive instead of a mandate. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it, it's it's coming slow. We're not we're not rushed to, to make it work overnight. But I Especially with the, the younger ones, I think that they, they, they enjoy it. And one of the things I've been telling more and more people that is that we need to, the experienced ones can very easily stay and work from home and, and do their own thing because they know how to do it. But I think we, we need to, we, we all need to do, to, to take some of our time and dedicate to and put on, on these effort because the, the younger ones need, Mm-hmm. That the visibility, they need to see little things that we don't we do naturally. We don't even realize that we're doing, but they, they can, in, for, in order for the next generation to learn, it's good if they can see us yeah. at, at work as well. You know, there's only only so much you can learn from in, in a Zoom thing without seeing when you're not meaning, you're just doing there, kind of having conversation, laughing right. about it. Like, oh, that's how... The, the 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 big ones actually have kind of do brainstorm but that's how they do it. There's a lot of nuance on the process. you can't grasp if you're not seeing it mm-hmm. so I think for the new generations, we need to be we need to be present,
0: yeah, and it is I mean everyone always says it's an apprenticeship business. you have to just sort of like learn by watching, yeah, do you feel like there has been? a negative impact on the younger generation just for the past, those who have started their careers, especially creatives from home? Like, what do you feel like the impact has been?
1: There's, I think it, I, I, I'm, I'm turning 50 this year. So I'm like really getting to the, the older side of the, the, the business side. So it's hard to, to see exactly what you're learning because I can see what's different between their the way that they, they are being, being grown into the culture and, and me, but that's not necessarily bad. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's just what it is. I can see that. I, I hope that they, they had a little bit more of the social aspects like I did. Like I, I met my wife at at, at an agency, mm-hmm. you know, when we we're both in the beginning of our careers and, and I had a lot of fun and, and there are a lot of social events when I was, uh, in the beginning of my career in advertising I feel like it, this is something that people are missing mm-hmm. Is that gonna make a big difference or not in their the way that they see them it's, I don't know it's like 20 years from now I can I'll, I'll tell you. but I also see that there's there's a lot of benefit of that it's like they, they they're having a chance of being a much better work life balance mm-hmm. um, than than us and more than that, I think that they're having a chance to develop deeper, hobbies and different and, and deeper second activities yes. that I think is something that I have always fought for, like people, you cannot only, you cannot, it's very hard to be interesting if all you do is advertise. So <laughs> I always take, tell my, my team to you, take your hobbies and invest on them. Mm-hmm. Try to be really good at them. Right. Maybe you're never going to be a pro, but you try Give it a, give it a shot. And we have like Rob, our CCO is a, is an ultra marathoner. I mean he runs hundred miles um races and, wow. and just trying to do that changes you changes the way your brain is wired and I think that makes you better it makes you more original and different in in different ways like Andrew likes to sail and and I can tell that once he's when he's he sails and surf if he's Pay attention. Is dedicating time to it. He's much better than what he does
0: mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the
1: brain is fresh. So I, I think that, that that generation is going to have a better understanding, a better experience of managing and balancing their non-advertising side with their advertising sides, which was something that I had to work really hard to work against the current yeah. to build. And I, I I fight always like to to fight, and I always like to write, right have my books and everything. So, but it was always a strange thing. I had to carve time. I had to right. convince people there was the fact that I'm publishing a book. Doesn't mean that I'm retiring. Right, right. Not, It doesn't mean that. So all actually, it means that I'm stretching my career longer because the frustration of, of the day by day in this business are not going to frustrate my, going to put my entire life down. It's right. just that, okay, next week I'm going to be a little bit bummed and, and at work, but, the following week, I'm all fresh again. Right, because I so had time those to. Those things, yeah, those things are, are, I think this generation is going to have a much better natural instinct for those things than us.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's also important for creatives to have time to invest it, like you said, in, in their creative interests um, rather than just being heads down working all the time. Uh, another thing that, creatives and the younger generation are going to have a lot of exposure to is AI, if if the current news cycle is any indication. Yeah. And I know that Pereira Odell uh, recently launched an AI lab. Can you tell me a little bit about what that is and sort of your vision for AI at the company?
1: So I think that there's a lot of conversation AI right now and, and no one knows exactly what this is going to be. Anyone that tells you that they know is that because they haven't gone deep enough. Right? So we can start like that. So it's, it's like we're all cavemen that just realized that we can take fire on a stick and bring it somewhere else. Right. But we have no idea what that fire is going to do. You know, I can't imagine explaining to a, a caveman that one day, p- because of indirect responses from those things and indirect effects of those things, someone is going to make ice cream. And it doesn't make sense. <laughs> How can you do something cold out of hot? But it happened. Yeah. Because of... of so... I think that we have no context of, of no understanding of the indirect consequence of this in the world and in this business. But what I do know is that the only way to start to visualize it is by having this visceral feeling of of what the possibilities can be. And you can only do that by trying something, by taking a small assignment and, and give yourself the the... the a test to try, to attempt. So it was hard to convince the entire agency to try things because that they have like their 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 deadlines to fill and everything. So what I did was something smaller in scope. So we, I hired a um an AI artist to work directly with me. And we started to give us a the, the task of weekly, what we're going to do every week, we try to get one thing, little thing out. And then we bring people in from other departments, from other things that are, work with us on this. Let's try to get something done. Let's try to take, uh, find something that talks about uh, how... Robots and, and mix robots and Charles Chaplin. And so let's see if it can play it. Let's see if it can do, uh, what is a movie that you would love to see in a different way? So let's take The Wizards of Oz and let's render it in in a way that looks like an anime and Studio Ghibli kind of, of anime. So we started every week, we try to do one thing and we from the conception to the final execution, we, we work with different people. What happens with that is that people started to, because they were having that visceral experience of seeing and giving themselves a task and trying to achieve, and sometimes it fails, sometimes it's half fails, and sometimes it, it's a, a podiotic and kind of incredible feeling because it worked. Because of those things, people started to have ideas on regular assignments. So one day the, the mini team came to me to me for like, oh, we have this idea here of doing this this thing that, that was an idea that died because it was too expensive. But if we use AI, we could make is an is an idea about uh, how the world was running out of minis because of the pandemic and 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 the the yes. supply chain issues, right? We so covered like, it. Yeah. We covered it. So imagine it's like, can we do that? So we like we have budget to do maybe two or three of those, but we cannot pr- create the feeling that that this is a, a real movement. So, like we can use AI to create hundreds of those and create the volume behind them, the 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 feeling of, of reality but and do three or four to go deep and film it and and that will create the the the, the experience that we want and so that idea that came back from that from the because someone had played with AI before AI is a playground you should you need to play yeah to see how, how things can happen right now.
0: Yeah. I I think I agree. Like, you know, people need to know what the possibilities are, but you can't like over-invest in the hype. Right. And then there's also things like, how do you think about like the ethical implications of AI? Like, is that something that you're thinking through or it's hard, right? Because there's no laws that exist. So how do you kind of self, self-regulate?
1: It's, it's a, it's a big deal. I mean, I think that Part of the idea of pl- training AI as a playground is play. We call it a lab, but it's actually a playground. You know, it's let's play with it. Playing is how mammals evolve to understand the world. From a lion cub to a puppy a dog, or humans, we grew up understanding. like so all right, if I take my real spoon and put it on, on this imaginary table, the table, the spoon is going to fall and that's how you learn about gravity and you learn that <laughs> okay things are, and, and if you are a victim to that gravity it hurts and that, that's how we are we are wired to understand the world mm-hmm. i'm trying to look at ai as something that we need to play with to understand how this new world is the the rules of these new worlds are is going to be but it, as a small scale at the moment we're making large scale, that's when things become dangerous. Yeah, because that's when when we're developing things that have more power that we can control. That's when we have we're developing things with more legal and ethical and, and implications that we can we we even can even visualize. So I think that this is a time to play and and, and experiment in small scale. Big scale with AI concerns me, especially because at some point we may start to get into a zone that, that I think it's um, it's like what um, remember kind of when, when we all went to school it's like subliminal advertising is what is the limit there, the line that we cannot cross mm-hmm. you cannot put a frame into a movie that's what, how I was told at school it's like, you don't put a frame into a movie because you don't give people time enough to decide not to engage and to, to agree with that message mm-hmm. I think we're getting so far into the intelligence behind advertising into the medium and the message and everything that we're starting to anticipate the needs of consumers and talk to them in terms and in moments where they, they don't have a lot of um, choices to, to believe or not to agree or not to like it or not. Mm. And I think we need to say, take a step back and feel like, you know, we are, we're in the business of creating brand love and brand fandom and brand connections that needs to be bigger than the, the opportunistic way of let's cheat and get people to buy and get people to, to feel because eventually they're going to feel cheated. like I made that decision and I did not want to do it. Mm. And so the moment that society as a whole realized how, Technology can be used to manipulate their their feelings in a way that they're not giving a chance to say no. I think they're going to turn against us as an industry, turn against us as a brand, and turn against us in every way. Mm-hmm. So I think we need to, we need to take the 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 step of regulating if like we cannot. It's not like a do no evil approach. It's like we need to protect our our industry, our craft and our our profession from doing things that are going to backfire later Mm. and things are playing wrong,
0: you know? Yeah, no, I'm curious because I know you've had a lot of experience like judging award shows and in Cannes. How do you expect the whole AI craze to show up this year? And then just in general, like what are you expecting to see um, sort of transcend the rest of the work?
1: I I have I just presided the 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 first AI category in the show the the ADC, um, and it was a fascinating experience because it's very different. Things that were by the time that things were entered there and we judged, it was so much time that things got old and feel like I oh, we have to. I don't know how this is going to operate. I know there's going to be a lot of every year. There's a trend there's something that oh we did these in AI and. The fact that you did something in AI, the fact that you use the latest technology is not going to give anyone any award unless there's a real idea and a real magic behind it. And, and we're going to see a lot of, of attempts to, to get visibility and get some metal purely by using a, a, the, the a technology. That's not going to do any, anyone, not going get, to get anyone any, 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 any award for anything. But it's, but I think it's, it's a, still a valid attempt because it will teach people that, okay, this is good, but not good enough. Now we have to add a layer of ideas to it. And these people that eventually stumbled upon an idea and and using that, that's how they did it. And and that's how it works. That's how you you develop a a new language of creativity using a new tool that you have.
0: Right, right. It's not enough to just use the shiny object. You have to actually use it That's for
1: the service something. you have to feel creative yeah and you know when you see it you know that this is creative mm. this is not just uh forward thinking this is creative awesome you know
0: well pj thank you so much for chatting with me i think i could keep talking to you for much longer but it is our time to wrap thank you for for coming on the podcast
1: thanks for having me you know it was a pleasure looking forward to the next time
0: That's all the time we have for this week. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Campaign Chemistry on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.